Well, good evening, Foothill Family Church. Welcome back to Healing School. We are so glad you could join us tonight. If you're tuning in on Facebook, make sure you hit that share button below. We love you guys. We're looking forward to being back together with you soon. Would you enter into worship with us tonight and prepare our hearts to be ministered to? Praise you, Father God. And water you turned into wine And opened the eyes of the blind there's no one like you there's none like you and into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you there's none like you our god is greater our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, there's none like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. Our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us, and if our God is with us, then who I could stand against And if our God is for us Then who could ever stop us And if our God is with us Then who I could stand against Then who I could stand against Sing our God Our God is greater our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, is for us. Then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then who I could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? For the authority that you've given, we worship you. Moving in our midst. I worship you and turning lives around. 
Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every life. I worship you. I worship you. Sing that again. I worship you. Heal, I worship you. Cause you is my God. That is who you promise keeper. Light in the darkness, the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. The way God, that is who you are. Cause that is who you are That is who you are Cause that is who you are That is who you are Promise keeper Light in the darkness My miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God That is who you are that is who you are that is who you are that even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working my god that is who you Cause that is who you are Cause that is who you are The way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper Light in the darkness, my God That is who you are You are the way maker, miracle worker Promise keeper, light in the dark. You are that is who you are. Light in the darkness, the way make miracle work. Promise keeper, is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, my God, that work, promise. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Give you all the glory, Father. We love you, Lord. Praise you. Mercy, we thank you, Father, for your presence among us, wherever we may be. Who we are in one of God unto salvation. And he's prompted by the Holy Ghost to say it. So we really. And here the gospel. Christ. 
So where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, God's word is his power. For um, uh, too, but really not enough to make a point about. Salvation, unto salvation. Uh, Baptist scholar in the previous generation that was considered to be one of the most learned men that had ever been a part of the Baptist church. His name was Schofield. And he produced a lot of works, excellent resource works, Throughout his life, there were a lot of things that he didn't believe in. He didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestation of the Holy Ghost like we would and do. But he said of this word salvation, he put that this word salvation is an all-inclusive soundness and healing. Now that's coming to the Bible, talks about through the laying on of hands or any other way. He understood just by the all-encompassing is the word that was used here by the finished work that he has accomplished for us on, on our behalf. He's saying this. Romans chapter 10, Paul, word is neither even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is being in your mouth and in your heart. It's what we'll speak. What we really believe are the words that try to say things and not without really believing it in their heart. And it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't produce the same results. But Paul is talking about the relationship between the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. So again, verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee or near unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Here's that same word. Here's the same all-inclusive terminology that's used here by the Holy Ghost. And he's talking about, we know the context that he's speaking of. He's speaking specifically about the coming into the family of God. But God doesn't divide things up. God doesn't talk about salvation as being the forgiveness of sins alone. He doesn't talk about salvation as being healing power alone. Again, it's an all-inclusive term. It's something that means both. And it's supposed to mean both. And the Bible tells us that it means both. So he says, that if thou shalt confess by thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Real quickly, let, let me uh, uh, make some comments on verse 10. He's saying for with the heart, and the heart of man he's talking about is the spirit of man. He's saying for from the spirit man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want you to realize that you're believing everybody that's ever been saved has believed in righteousness before they received it. This is the principle of faith. Faith is you believe in your heart, believe it from your spirit, the innermost being, based on what God's word says. That's the only way we have access to the spirit realm. The Bible tells us there are a lot of things that are in the spirit realm. All of the blessings of God are available to us. Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Well, if they were, that means we are. But how do we access those spiritual blessings? How do we take hold of those spiritual blessings that are part of this all-inclusive word salvation? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, it's saying believing in your heart is a very important first step. But if you just believe that Jesus died for your sins and never do anything about confessing it, never act on it, 
then you're left out of the family of God. Because salvation is two parts. Faith for salvation is two parts. First, it's believing in your heart or accepting what God's word says to be true, no matter what it looks like or what you feel like or what you've been taught before. But just accepting the truth of the word of God concerning Jesus' purpose for dying on the cross. He died to make us righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Well, we have to believe that. Nobody can receive salvation if they don't believe that Jesus died for their sins. But then once they believe that Jesus died for their sins, what are they going to do next? Well, the Bible says that confession is the way to put that belief in action. And when we confess that Jesus is our Lord, we confess that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's the place where salvation becomes ours in reality. Not just a theory, not just a concept, but it becomes righteousness becomes a real thing for us. Paul goes on to say, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Everybody that reaches out and extends their spiritual hand in faith to take hold of the salvation that God has provided through the finished work of Jesus, nobody fails to receive on God's end or from God's end. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Paul is going to do a reverse engineering principle here to identify the doctrine of faith cometh by hearing. But hearing the faith that we receive by hearing the word of God has to be acted on. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Notice he's talking about a preacher being sent is necessary to bring somebody salvation. Then that preacher speaking of the, the finished work of Jesus to produce faith in the heart of the recipient. That's necessary and that's important too. It takes faith in the heart and the mouth confessing what the Bible says in order to come into the family of God or come into all this all-inclusive term known as salvation. Verse 16, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Remember where we started in Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He can be saying and is saying really both, I'm not ashamed of the word of God, and I'm not ashamed of the finished work of Jesus. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God to enter into all of those things that Dr. Schofield said the word salvation means. It's the power of God to enter into deliverance. It's the power of God to enter into safety. It's the power of God to enter into soundness. It's the power of God to, re to um, enter into rescue. It's the power of God to enter into healing. The word of God is the power of God. So all it takes is us believing in our heart, believing what the word says Jesus did for us, first and foremost, and then confessing with our mouth, and that puts faith in action to bring the healing power of God to bear in our, in our lives and in our bodies. Now I want you to see something with me here too. In Luke chapter 5, 
Beginning in verse 12, it says, And it came to pass, speaking of Jesus, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he straightly charged him to tell no man, but go and show himself to the priests and offer for a cleansing according to as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now notice verse 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into, a wild, into the wilderness and prayed. Notice they came to hear and to be healed. They came to hear and be healed. Jesus taught enough about the word of God. Jesus said enough and proclaimed enough and exemplified the word of God in his life and in his ministry to such a degree that those who had understanding recognized that it's not just a matter of coming to Jesus for healing for their bodies, but the word of God is the power of God to bring that healing to bear. Notice in chapter 6, it says something very, very similar. It tells us about after Jesus chose the 12 apostles. Verse 16, uh, I'm sorry, verse 17, Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came, notice what they came for, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue or power out of him and healed them all. Now, folks, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now I want you to notice that everybody in this multitude, everybody in this crowd was healed. Jesus healed all that were sick. And he healed all that were sick to show something, to prove something, to identify something. And what it was that he was proving or identifying is what verse 17 says, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, folks, Jesus didn't finish the work on the cross for almost three years after this point in time. This is one of the things that happens early on in Jesus' ministry, this uh, story of the uh, leper being cleansed and then also the multitude being healed. Jesus has still got three years to go, or approximately three years to go, before he comes to the cross. And the Bible says with, with certainty, the Bible says that redemption was made available for us by the shedding of Jesus' blood. Well, Jesus hadn't shed his blood yet. So how could he fulfill Isaiah's prophecy when he had not yet been to the cross? Well, I think there's a misunderstanding on the part of most people. Matthew here, inspired by the Holy Ghost, is quoting Isaiah 53 Verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. Those words griefs and pains are the words sickness and infirmities. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. 
but we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. What is Jesus fulfilling by healing all in this multitude? He's not fulfilling, he's, not, he's certainly not uh, trying to accelerate the finished work of, of the cross. What's he doing? What is it that fulfills Isaiah's prophecy? Folks, the thing that fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy was the healing of everyone. He healed all that were sick. See, when Isaiah wrote, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Who's he talking about? Who is the recipient of the work that Jesus would do on the cross? Well, when he says our, that means the, the writer of, of the scripture and also the reader. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Whose chastisement did Jesus take upon himself to provide physically and material and financially for us? Well, the same word our is used when Isaiah speaks. Who does our mean? It means the writer and the reader. Then the last part of verse 5, Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, and with his stripes, or by his stripes, literally by his bruise, we are healed. Well, who's we? It has to be talking about the same one as the, as the, the ones that were included in our transgressions, our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We, in that case, means the writer, Isaiah, and all those that read it. So here, when, in, when the Holy Ghost inspires Matthew to write these verses of Scripture, the Holy Ghost reveals to Matthew the purpose for Jesus in this healing event. We'll read verses 16 and 17 of Matthew 8 again. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. The healing of all is what fulfills what Isaiah the prophet said. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Matthew is telling us by the direction of the Holy Ghost that the hour that was included or spoken of in Isaiah 53 is the same hour that's spoken of here in Matthew 8, 17. Well, who does our pertain to? The writer and the reader. So Jesus healed all that were sick. The only thing that could fulfill the totality, the completeness of the work of Jesus that Isaiah prophesied that he would undertake and, and complete for us, the only thing that would satisfy or fulfill that scripture was healing for all. There is no doctrine in all of the scripture that is more clear than the fact that Jesus died to redeem us from sin and that he shed his blood through the same event of the cross to heal our bodies. There is no clearer doctrinal point or belief than that which the word has laid out concerning our sickness and disease. Now look with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Paul said, for which cause we faint not. He's talking about the difficulties and the trials and different things that they're experiencing. He said, for which cause we faint not, 
But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen. You want your trouble to turn out to your advantage? Well, he tells you how to do it. He tells you to look at things that are not seen. In other words, see the answers that the Word tells you we can have. See the blessings that the Bible speaks of. Jesus identifying for us and purchasing for us with his blood. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The word temporal means subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Verse 22, Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. The day before, Jesus had cursed the fig tree, and the disciples heard him speak to it. It looked like it was a healthy and productive tree, but when Jesus got to it, there were no figs on it. There was no fruit to, to take hold of and, to, and partake of. So Jesus cursed the fig tree and the disciples heard him. He said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Next morning they come by and the fig tree is dried up from the roots. Totally dead. Absolutely, completely dead. No green leaf left on it. No life left in the, the trunk or the branches. Completely dead. And Peter, calling it, recalling it in his memory, said to Jesus, Master, the fig tree which you cursed is, is withered away. And that was the place where Jesus explained this operation of faith. He's telling them that it was faith in God that caused this fig tree to die in the manner that it did. And Jesus explains how the, the principle of faith works. He said, whosoever shall say. He didn't say whosoever shall think about. He didn't say whosoever shall pray about. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. There's the spirit of man, there's the, the inner man, and it's in his importance in exercising spiritual forces. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now folks, the way Jesus describes this, and he could have chosen to do it in different ways. But the way that Jesus describes this is really without limitation. If the conditions are met, believing in the heart and speaking with the mouth. For with the heart man believeth unto salvation, that all-inclusive salvation, that word salvation that includes healing for our bodies. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now we saw just a few moments ago in Romans chapter 10 that hearing is what brings faith. Hearing the word of God. Looking at the things which are not seen is keeping our eyes on what God said instead of what things look like. Jesus didn't go sit next to the fig tree overnight to see if it was obeying him. He spoke from his heart. He spoke what he believed, what he desired to the fig tree, 
and the fig tree dried up from the root just according, exactly according to what Jesus said that it should do. So Jesus is telling us that we can do the same thing. Jesus is telling us that our words can have just as much power behind them as his words. We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and we speak just like Jesus did, just like God did. This is the God kind of faith. He identifies that in verse 22. Have faith in God. That's the God kind of faith. Believe in your heart and speak to the mountain. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 4. We want to look at our example to follow. Romans chapter 4, speaking of Abraham. Verse 18, it says, Who against hope believed in hope. Well, let me back up. It started too late. Verse 17. As it is written... I have made thee the father of many nations. In other words, Paul picks up on the story of Abraham telling us the promise that God had made unto him. I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. That phrase, before him whom he believed, really means that God, uh, uh, that Abraham became an imitator of God. When it came to the birth of his son Isaac, when he was about 100 years old and Sarah was 90, that came about through the operation of faith, the Bible's telling us. It's certainly an impossible condition. It's certainly something that only God and only the power of God could bring about. But it wasn't something that God just did for him, independent of his actions, his Abraham's actions. Abraham had to believe God. Abraham had to stand in faith for these things to happen. God had declared his will to him, his will was that he should have a child. 25 years have gone by since God first promised him a child. And so Abraham has lost hope. He's given up on the thing that he once believed. And God has to stir him back to faith. And so the Lord appears to him and says, this time next year you'll have a son. And so Abraham has to change everything about what he's been doing for the last number of years regarding the birth of Isaac. He's got to get out of doubt and over into faith. How does he do that? Well, he became an imitator of God in two respects. One is, it says God quickens the dead. His body was dead to the reproductive process that would enable him and Sarah to have a child. So what did he do? He began speaking life to his body. He began calling things that be not as though they were. When God said, I have made thee the father of many nations, for Abraham to accept his new name, the name was changed from Abram to Abraham. The name Abraham means the father of many nations. So for Abraham to accept God's new name for him, he's calling things that be not as though they were. He's saying, I am the father of nations before he had a child. Now that would cause a lot of confusion for many people. And there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that when we step out to do the same thing and take the same action, they say that we're lying about the situation and the devil will be right there on your shoulder to help you along with that thought. But how can it be a lie if we're saying what God says? How can God's word ever be a lie? Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will never fail. So when we speak what God's word says, that's why I'm such a stickler for saying it the way that God says it. It's amazing to me how many people want to put their own spin and their own confession on things rather than saying things the way the Holy Ghost reflects to us and shows us that God did. 
I always like to say things the way God said, and I I have to truly give credit to where credit is due. I got that from Brother Hagin. I've seen situations both working with him and then pastoring the church here where people like to come up with their own ideas or their own ways of saying things. Say it the way God says it. You'll have a greater foundation to say it his way because when the devil comes and tells you that you're telling lies, you can just refer back to here's what God said. I'm just saying it the way he does. If it's a lie, go talk to him because he initiated it. So Abraham spoke life to his body. He called things that be not as though they were. He called himself the father of nations before he really became it physically. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. He had no natural circumstance to hope in. Well, where's he going to get his hope as a foundation for faith? Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope doesn't have any substance. Faith gives substance to hope. So where's he going to get the hope to become the father of nations? He goes back to the promise of God. He derived his hope not from what he could see or feel around him, but from what God had said, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now, folks, I want you to compare verse 17 and verse 18 in this respect. God said to Abraham, I have made thee the father of many nations. He changed his name, as we said before, from Abram to Abraham. And the name Abraham meant the father of many nations. So here God is saying, I have made thee the father of many nations. But Abraham understood, just as we should understand, that there are things that we should do, things that we must do, to bring us to the same place as Abraham, where he became the father of many nations. F.F. Bosworth is a favorite of mine. And his book, Christ the Healer, is is just an absolutely fabulous reference work on the subject of healing. And F.F. Bosworth says some things, or says them in uh, in a certain way that's always ministered to me, which makes him my favorite. That's the reason why I say he's one of my favorites. Because he talks about healing being in two realms. He said there's healing in the unseen realm, And there's healing in the physical or the material realm. Now where we read that the Bible says keep our eyes on things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal or subject to change. This is what F.F. Bosworth is speaking of. Your healing is already accomplished. Just as the righteousness for every person on the earth is already accomplished. The Bible tells us that there will be a lot of people that will refuse and reject Jesus as Lord and Savior. And even though God doesn't want it this way, they through their own choice, their own actions, will put themselves in hell, literally, when this life is over for them. But Jesus paid the price for them to be righteous. Everybody that goes to hell will have gone unnecessarily from God's point of view because God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's not one person that dies in this life, in this earth, and goes to hell that God ever intended or wanted them to be there. Jesus performed a work for everyone. Just like Jesus healed them all to fulfill what Isaiah said, Jesus saved them all to fulfill what Isaiah said. Salvation was accomplished. It was finished from God's end. The things that Jesus did, he performed everything that was necessary for God's plan of redemption to be fulfilled. 
And so the people that go to hell, the people that die in this life without Jesus, will have gone to hell unnecessarily because Jesus paid the price for them just as much as he paid the price for you and me. So their salvation is in the spirit realm, but in order to bring it into the material realm, the reality of this physical and material realm, they're going to have to believe in their heart and say with their mouth. And anybody that does that becomes a child of God. God welcomes them into his family. Well, in the same way, just as forgiveness of sins or redemption really exists in the spirit realm and in the natural or physical or material realm, in the same way, healing exists in those two places too. Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, and with his stripes you were healed. God doesn't have to do one more thing to bring about healing for anybody that will receive it by faith. Jesus already paid the price. He did all that was necessary to accomplish healing for our physical bodies. And Brother Bosworth brings it out that the way that you get the healing that's yours, the physical healing that's yours in the, in the spiritual realm, into the material realm, is this thing called faith. Faith is the thing that reaches from this world, this material realm, into the unseen realm to pull it into reality, to pull it into physical reality. Jesus said when he was talking about the prayer of faith in Mark eleven twenty four, he said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He talks about the difference between receiving and having. We believe that we receive when we pray the prayer of faith. If it's healing we're praying for, we believe that we receive our healing that's in the unseen realm. And our confession is the hand, the hand of faith that reaches through into the unseen realm to bring our spiritual blessing of healing into physical and material reality. That's why the Bible says not to give up or to cast away your confidence. That's why the Bible says hold fast the profession of your faith. Because these things are not often instantaneous. These things don't always work instantly. And so we need to maintain our hold with that hand of faith through our confession to bring it from the unseen realm into the material realm. So our healing exists in two different places. It exists in the spiritual realm, as we said before, Ephesians 2 verse 3, I believe it is, or Ephesians 1 verse 3, says we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, all spiritual blessings would have to include healing. All spiritual blessings would have to include prosperity. All spiritual blessings would have to include everything pertaining to the victory of the cross that Jesus won for us. But how do we take that spiritual blessing of healing and bring it into the material realm to do any good for our bodies? That's that spiritual force of faith. That's where believing in our heart and saying with our mouth comes in. And it brings the unseen things, the unseen realities into existence in this physical and material realm. So Abraham believed God. He became an imitator of God. He began to, to say what God said so that he would become what God said. As far as God was concerned, it was done in the spirit realm. It was already accomplished. But we didn't need a, Abraham didn't need a child in the spiritual realm. He needed a child in the physical realm. So what did he do? Looking under the promise of God, he was strong in faith. He wavered not to unbelief. He kept his eyes on the promise. 
the promise of God for that year from the time that Jesus appeared to him and said, this time next year you'll have a son. That year became a year of him being consumed with the promise of God. He's been 25 years since God first made the promise and no progress has been made toward the fulfillment of that promise in any way whatsoever. But when God rekindles his hope by telling him, this time next year you'll have this son, Abraham became obsessed. He thought only about the promise of God. He spoke only about the promise of God. He chose to be strong in faith instead of wavering. He decided that he'd keep his eyes on the truth of the word. That's what looking at the unseen means. While we look not at the, the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Abraham knew that in his situation, he became fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to also to perform. He became fully persuaded that no matter what his body appeared to be, no matter how it felt, no matter whether he could see or feel any change whatsoever, he chose to believe that the truth of God's word would stand, that God's promise was certainly, or God was certainly able to bring his promise to pass. And so he became obsessed. He kept his mind focused on what God had promised. He kept his confession speaking in line with what God said. He kept calling himself the father of many nations. He didn't have any natural hope, but he believed in hope based on what God had told him, the promise that God had made to him, so that he might become the father of many nations. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was yet about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. This word considered means he kept his eyes on the promise instead of paying attention to the physical circumstances. He kept his eyes on the promise of God. Strong faith looks at the promise of God no matter what. Strong faith refuses to look away from the promise of God no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what we feel about the circumstances, no matter what the doctor tells us. Strong faith keeps its eyes on the promise of God first and foremost. So Abraham chose not to be weak in faith by not considering his body dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Folks, it's an absolute fact. It's an accomplished reality that Jesus paid the price for your sins and paid the price for your financial well-being and paid the price for sickness and disease all at one time. There is nothing that is, that is more definitive in the Scripture than that salvation, even as Dr. Schofield says, that that salvation is an all-inclusive term. And God doesn't want you to take part of it and leave the rest of it un un untaken. God wants you to take hold of everything Jesus did for you. The only reason Jesus suffered the way that he did, to be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The only reason he took the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The only reason that by his stripes we were healed is so that we could enjoy those things and walk in those things and have those things in our physical lives, our lives here on the earth. Healing's not going to do us any good when we get to heaven because there's no sickness there. Healing is something for this material realm, this physical realm, and this physical realm only. So take the, the shield of faith, take the blessings of God, take the principles of faith, and reach over into the spirit realm and take hold of what belongs to you. And maintain your confession until you make it a reality here in this life. I don't know. I just like, there's something about the way Bosworth says that. 
that your healing exists in two different places. I think a lot of people are trying to, to believe for healing to be created for them. But that's not the way that it works. It just moves from a spiritual blessing into a physical reality. And faith is the thing that moves from the, moves your healing or anything else you're believing for, for that matter. Faith is the thing that moves your healing from the unseen realm to the physical realm. No matter how long it's been for us, no matter how long we have to stand, no matter how long we have to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, never give up because God's word is always true. And what God's word says belongs to you, belongs to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus paid the price for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we were healed. And Father, we see that the fulfillment of that healing is that healing was made available for everybody. Just like salvation is available for everybody, healing is available and may be obtained through the simple act of faith believing in our heart and saying with our mouth. So we declare, Father, that we are the righteousness of God because of the blood of Jesus. We declare that we are healed because Jesus took stripes upon his back. Now, bodies, we speak to you. We command you to line up with God's word. We command you to be restored to health in the precious name of Jesus. Father, you said that the prayer of faith will heal the sick and that you will raise us up. So we declare that, our, that we believe that we receive our healing. The prayer of faith has healed us, and you are in the process of raising us up. Thank you, Father, that the Bible tells us also that if we can control our tongues, we can control our whole bodies. So we refuse to speak against your word. We refuse to say anything other than what you said, and you said that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. So that's our declaration, that's our confession, that's our belief. Thank you, Father, that we're healed by Jesus' stripes. Thank you that the prayer of faith has made us whole by faith from the unseen realm and that you are raising us up, bringing into the seen and material and physical realm that which already belongs to us through the finished work of Jesus. Father, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ either, and we recognize that it is your power at work in our lives and in our bodies, to restore us to divine health. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Thanks for being with us.